You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes to bring us a wisdom, even when it is counterintuitive. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of you have ever stayed at an Airbnb? All right, a a few of you, maybe a little bit more if we we do the the Verbo thing or uh, some of the other kind of of, uh, Airbnb clones out there. Um, I don't know if you know how that company got started. Uh, That company got started, uh, and and you can can hear it in its name once you know the story. Uh, That company got started with two guys that that were entrepreneurs, and they were, well, not doing real well. They were trying to get things started off. And and so uh, what they did was they, they really realized they were living in a city that there was this big convention that was coming into town and all of the hotels were booked up. And so they said, oh, okay, well, I, what we can do is we can buy some air mattresses and, and we can put them in our apartment and then people can, uh, can, can rent our air mattresses and, uh, and they can you know, have a place to stay while they're going to this convention. And that is why it's called air B&B, because they, they were literally renting out air mattresses to people that were trying to go to a convention. And, and they, they did that, and they started going, hey, this is kind of working. But it was only kind of working. They, they actually got it to the point where, where they had gotten some funding, and they had said, hey, I, I think this will work. They, they had sold a few investors on it, but they were still, at this point, only making about $200 a week. Which, between two guys living in California, that really didn't make it happen for them. And so they were waiting for these big conventions to come through that would maybe make them a little bit more money, but it still wasn't a reliable source of income. They were, they were trying to figure out, okay, how do we do this? And they started to notice that, um, that they were able to sell more people in New York on the idea of sharing their space, of becoming Airbnb hosts. And so as they were, they were looking at that, the, somebody came to them and they, and they said, you know what you need to do is you need to travel to New York every week for the next five weeks. And they said, we're making $200 a week. That doesn't even cover the airfare to New York. But still, they ended up doing it. They, they ended up going, and they ended up uh, going to New York. And what they would do is they, they would actually rent from their own host. They, they would rent from their own host. And, and then after they rented from their own host, they would get into these conversations with them about, okay, what's working about our business model? What isn't working about our business model? What would you like to see as an Airbnb host? Because really, that's their customer, is the person who is willing to give up a little bit of their space so that you can stay there on vacation. And they started learning 
and they started learning and they started learning and they started to change the business and, and do all sorts of interesting things with the business right up until the pandemic. <laughs> and then everything fell down and they're trying to figure out what to do with that now. Well, what they did was something that was sort of counterintuitive and, and the reason that they did it was because they listened to somebody who told them something that they should do that it just didn't seem right. But at the same time, there was something about it that was kind of unavoidable. So, something about what that guy said when he said, you should go out to New York and you should take a look at what is going on out there in New York and how that's different and, and what you can learn from that. Through that process of seeking wisdom, they, they were able to find out what their next moves were and to build that company into something that you recognize today and that many of you have used. Well, as we jump into our gospel lesson today, we, we have some, some sort of counterintuitive wisdoms that, that are coming up. Uh, some things that the disciples, well, they don't seem to really understand. They don't really seem to get. They don't really seem to understand what Jesus is saying at various points in this kind of short reading in the book of Mark. Uh, the first thing is something that Jesus has actually told them before. Uh, and so uh, th this is something even that they've heard once before and they still uh, kind of don't get it. Uh, and, and so as they are listening to Jesus, he, he's telling them, okay, now that we're walking away from uh, this other scene where I was able to cast out a demon out of a boy and you guys weren't, he goes and, and he says, by the way, uh, the son of man is going to be killed and raised again in three days. And the way that Mark puts it is that, well, they just didn't know how to respond to that. They didn't understand him, but they also didn't want to ask him any questions. They, they were at that point of like, I don't understand that, and I'm really not sure that I want to understand that, so I'm just going to act like it never happened. And sometimes that's how we treat God, right? So sometimes that's how we treat God. Sometimes that's how we treat Scripture even. You know, we'll read something in the Bible and, and we go, I don't know what that means. And I don't really want to know what that means. And so I'm just going to flip over to, uh, you know, Psalm 23. Because I at least think I know what that means. But here, Jesus is presenting his disciples with something that is not Psalm 23, something that is not easy for them to comprehend, something that he's told them before, something that is so counterintuitive that they don't get it. But then the scene kind of moves on. So they don't ask him any questions, and they start walking. They start going to Capernaum, and as they start going to Capernaum, we find out that they start to have this little conversation between themselves. Now, this little conversation between themselves, we find out later, is all about they're arguing about who is the greatest among them. Now, this is an interesting thing for them to be arguing about at this point, because at this point, where we are in the Gospel of Mark is that you've had three of those guys go up to the Mount of Transfiguration. So there's already kind of this sense of like, okay, Jesus is bringing along this sort of inner circle of people. He's bringing them up to this Mount of Transfiguration. And mm, are they the greatest? 
And so maybe that's a little bit of what they're, they're uh, arguing about. Maybe they're like, why did Jesus take you, Peter? Why, why did Jesus take you, James? What, what's so special about you? you know, may, maybe there's, there's something of jealousy that is driving this conversation that they're having. Maybe there is some other kind of insecurity that is driving this conversation in that maybe they've heard enough of what Jesus is saying that they're actually like, well, who's vice president here? Because Jesus just said, well, he's going to die. Yes, he said he's going to raise again, but can we really trust that? And so who's going to be next? And so maybe they're arguing about that. Maybe they're, they're saying, okay, well, uh, you know, uh, who, who's going to be the person who steps in after Jesus? Is it going to be you, Bartholomew? Is it going to be you, Judas? Because they didn't know about Judas yet. You know, who's it going to be? And maybe that's what they're arguing about. Whatever they're arguing about, we know that they don't want to let Jesus in on the story. Because they get to the house, and Jesus comes to them, and he says, mm, so what were you arguing about on the road? You know, you kind of get this, this uh, vision of Jesus. He, you know, he's walking in, in front of the pack all by himself, and they're back here, like, kind of rabble-rousing. And maybe Jesus is like, you know, the, this parent who just doesn't want to hear what's going on in the back seat. But finally, he, he says, well, what, what were you talking about? And they don't tell him. They're like, oh, well, you know, Jesus, just, just kind of the weather, I guess. Uh, but Jesus knows better. And so without them even telling him, he says, give me a kid. And he takes the kid and he says, if you receive this little child in my name, you receive me. Now, that, that's a phrase that we're not really kind of used to because um, it, it talks in a way that we're not used to talking. What Jesus is saying is not just, isn't this kid cute? Which is like oftentimes how we sort of interpret this passage. We're like, oh, Jesus likes children. Yes, Jesus likes children, but that's not what he's saying. You know, uh, and so uh, I, I think it's interesting that this is probably the, the most middle-aged child that I have ever seen in my life in the bulletin. Uh, he's got a receding hairline. He's, uh, Jesus likes children, but what he's saying is, if you receive this child in my name, receiving somebody in someone else's name is receiving them as their their avatar, as their ambassador, as uh, their person who says, okay, this is, the, this is what this guy is saying. This is uh, the person who can say, Jesus says this, and Jesus is giving that right to a little child. A little child who, if you know little children, uh, a little child who's liable to say anything. And Jesus says, if you receive this one like you receive me, the top dog here, the top banana, the numero uno, the rabbi of this group, if you receive this little child like me, then you receive me. 
he goes on and he, he says this sort of confusing thing about uh, that if you would be great, you must become last of all and servant of all. You know, what Jesus is, is saying here is something that, well, it doesn't sound right. Because what Jesus is saying here is, is more than you should put God before you. I don't know how much you drive around. I drive around a fair bit. Uh, one of the things that I see as I've been driving around is this little like vinyl thing that you put on the back of your window. Um, at first, I thought it said hecky, but apparently it's supposed to say he greater than I. And I saw that and I was like, oh, well, that, that's, that's nice and, and everything. Uh, and uh, we're kind of okay with that, as Christians anyway. We, we're we're kind of like, okay, uh, we're willing to admit God is greater than me. Yeah, like, you know, bravo. You call him God and you're like, oh, he's better than me. Okay, great. But Jesus is saying something here that is way more difficult for us to swallow than hecky. What Jesus is saying here is all is greater than I. Everyone, even this little kid, even the people in our lives that we feel are insignificant, even the people that we look over all of the time, even the people that we tend to just kind of ignore and try not to think about them, that's what Jesus is challenging us with. That the wisdom of heaven is a wisdom that says that everyone is greater than me. Not just God is greater than me, because he is, but you are greater than me. And the person next to you is greater than me. And that that is what it means for us to be followers of Jesus, is that we consider everyone to be greater than ourselves, and we have a problem with that. We have a problem with seeing the greatness in other people because we think that we are so great. And we get into arguments about who's greater than the other. And Jesus says the argument ends with this. The last will be first and the first will be last. Everyone is greater than you. And the beautiful thing about that is that you're never going to make that happen. You're always going to see yourself as a little bit greater than somebody else. You are unable to follow him in that wisdom as good as it may sound to you, as difficult as it may sound to you, as much as you might be inspired right now to put all people as greater than yourself, you're just not going to be able to do it. But somebody was able to do it. And his name is Jesus. Jesus 
follows his own wisdom. Jesus says, all are greater than I. And what he does in order to show us that is that he becomes last. As he rises to the cross, he becomes servant of all as he serves us with the forgiveness of our sins and the eternal life that we have no business grasping for. Jesus himself says, everyone is going to be lifted up because I am going to humble myself. And as a result of him humbling himself on the cross, and as a result of him being that only person who ever was able to put himself absolute last out of all of humanity, he has risen to be first. To be the name by which we can call on God. And so as you go out this week, may you remember that everyone, everyone is greater than you, except for Jesus, because Jesus chose to be put in a place less than you so that he could raise you up. Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through his church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Lord,